everybody. Welcome to another edition of PD and P-Dubs Unscripted. Hallelujah. Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Exactly, PD. Great to be with you, my friend, on this uh, Wednesday, April 27th. Doesn't even feel like April 27th. Absolutely, it does not. But the Lord is good. He's risen. Uh, He lifts up our hearts and our spirits to uh, just be so joyful. The joy of the resurrection continues. It just fills you up with joy when you hear that good news of Christ's resurrection. Absolutely. Even at 7.30 in the morning when we're recording this session. Well, it is 7.46. (laughs) Oh, all right. So I should be fully aware. Well, right. That 15 minutes makes a difference. It's like I tell myself... Don't want to wake up at five fifty or five fifty five, but if I wake up at six, uh-huh. it's a much later more. It's much later. I know. I do those mind games in myself with my head too as I lay in bed. Uh, the alarm goes off. You know. Okay. Another. What is it? What is the sleep alarm? Nine minutes. I don't know. I don't use an alarm. Oh wow! You're amazing. So like I I have this question: Who decided that the sleep alarm is nine minutes? Why nine? I don't. These maybe, are questions. Maybe they know if you you go snooze for ten more minutes that you're just done for. <laughs> that you get into that REM sleep or that deep sleep. Yeah, I, I feel like it's a Seinfeld bit. <laughs> What's the deal with the nine minutes sleep alarm? Who decided this? Yeah, I've never been a snooze person though. Oh man, I'm perennial snoozer. See, I figure I might as well set if I do set an alarm like I will for tomorrow for Easter sunrise. Yeah. That I'm going to set it for the last possible minute that I need to be awake mm-hmm. to know enough time to get ready. And once it goes, I'm I'm good. Once I hear it, I get up. <laughs> well, you're a better man than me. I, I really enjoy the last moments in bed. And then I just feel like it, I get to a point. I was like, all right, I got to get up. Uh, but anyway, uh, be that as it may, we are here to uh, continue John's gospel message of the day of the resurrection and so many um, different accounts happened. What a busy day that was at resurrection day. Right. You think it's, you know, we just may think, oh, it's him resurrecting and all like the women to the tomb, the disciples, but there's a whole evening and even the road to Emmaus too, right? Yeah. Yeah, That's in the evening. And, uh, you know, I think even when the disciples came running back from Emmaus, I think... You know, it says on the evening of that day they were in the in the room. I think this is kind of maybe a continuation of that. I don't know, man. Like, man, Jesus really got around that day. He got around, man. Jesus, he was scooting around. He was letting everybody know he is alive, man. This is awesome. So, uh, friends, we're looking at John chapter twenty, and uh, we're beginning with verse. What is that? Nineteen. BD? Nineteen. You got your spectacles? I got, I don't forgot my specs this morning, and I got the small print Bible. Whew, that's rough. But uh, turn to your uh, Bible and open it up to John chapter 20, verse 19. We're going to complete the chapter uh, that we began last week when we talked about the morning of the resurrection. And we're just, uh, PD and I are just going to break up the reading here like we did last time, and uh, we'll just complete the chapter. So... Um, Here we go. Verse 19. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. 
And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus, with, when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the hands, the mark of the nail, and see in the hand, his hands the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put your, out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not yet seen and yet have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which were not, are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. So here we are, the end of the resurrection day. And uh, we're in a particular interesting situation. They're all gathered and the doors are locked. Wait, you just don't appear in locked doors? (laughs) Well, I'm, you know, I think that's the whole, the locked doors uh, really gives us a clue of what they're feeling as disciples on this day. Right, that fear of like, who's going to come after us? Because maybe they were thinking, did they think we stole the body of Jesus? So they're going to come after us because all the different things that were there to put in place so nobody did tamper with the grave, like having the guard, having the seal on the stone. And if you, I'm sure, you know, if you broke the seal of the Roman governor or whoever was the seal of in the, the governor leaders, that wouldn't have been a very good thing. Yeah, you, you would have thought um, because there was a guard there, there was a seal there, and then news gets out, uh, you know, maybe the guards, well, the guards had to have reported it, um, and you know they they're probably fearing for their own. Or lives. they hightailed out of there, maybe yeah. so they wouldn't be fine. Perhaps you know we don't know, but uh, if they were duty bound and reported it, or if it was found out, it would seem that the people in charge of that would begin a search, right? And like because that was the whole reason that it, it said in the gospel. That's why they put the guard there so that they couldn't come up with a story that you know. Jesus had risen mm-hmm. and fabricated some tale. Right. And so here it happens, and certainly the people who put all that in place would think this and be like, okay, we're going after his his followers. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense like right. that they're fearful of their, of their life. But yeah, you're right. That fear that they had there wasn't just on that night, but it was even at the crucifixion, as we see, none of them really there, mm-hmm. except for one. They were all afraid. 
Yeah, they uh, they scrammed for sure. Uh, Self preservation took hold. Yeah, that flighter or fight or flee. Yep, and they went with flee. Yeah, definitely. And uh, so they're already fearing for their life, and the doors are locked, and all of a sudden, poof! There's Jesus. Yeah, I just wonder what that would have been like. That he just like, how did he just like appear in front of them? I know. I know, and so fear must have really amplified at that point. Like, right. what in the world is going on? Right, and Jesus has a very similar greeting that like angels have when they appear to people: "Peace be with you." Yeah, to uh, assure the startledness. Right, and he says that even when he's not walking on the water, when they're afraid, that "Peace be with you," that reassurance, as you just mentioned. Yeah, uh, kind of reminds me of John fourteen twenty seven. Um, Jesus said, my peace I give you, my peace I leave you, not as the world gives do I give. And uh, so this is the peace that he's he's giving them now from him. Like, okay, guys, you know, have, have this have this shalom over you. It's, it's We had you to know, us out the Hebrew. Yeah, I'm trying. Uh, and so just, uh, so just be, you know, not only calm, but have this, you know, just settle in. I'm here kind of thing. Right. But I don't know, would that have calmed you hearing Jesus say, peace be with you in that moment? You know, at first, probably not. But, you know, it's him. Right. And, like, I don't know. Like, at some point it must kick in because it's like he's the one who can bring peace to this crazy situation. And did it just that being in his presence cause then that peace? Mm -hmm. Like. Okay, here he is. We know he's what's going. Okay, yeah. I I think of like you know when you ask that question, I was kind of putting myself in worship. Like, I can have so many thoughts going on in my head going into worship, but then like the moment we hear some songs or we hear God's word or somebody's reading God's word, it's like you settle in and you feel Him there. So maybe. Maybe that kind of kicked in somewhere along the way. Right. Um, But then, even Jesus knows maybe his words need to be followed by something more in order for them to really gain the sense of peace. Like, yeah, this is really me standing in front of you, not some apparition. Uh, Your minds aren't spinning out of control. Because what does he do? He he goes to show them something. He breathes on them. Oh, even before that, PD, he says uh, when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side, almost to like understand in verse twenty. Oh yeah, six. My bad. I was looking at the second time he says, "Peace be with you." In yeah. twenty-one. Yeah. Um. Yeah, maybe I'm in twenty. And uh, so it's like Jesus understands fully what they are registering in their head. Right. Uh, you know, it's okay, this this being said peace. And so now he's like, okay, I know what you really need to really gain peace is to just physically um, see. see this is me. I'm, I, I've got the wounds here. And uh, so he showed them. And then, then the the response, they were glad when they saw the Lord. Now it was like, okay, oh, it's Jesus, right? It's you know, it's not a hologram, yeah, right? Exactly. And uh, it's interesting that uh, John says that they were glad when they saw the Lord. 
not yeah, just okay. like I Jesus. said, Jesus, the Lord. I mean, the one who saved him. Right. So John is kind of throwing in, you know, a little more emphasis there for us readers to maybe have them realize, oh yeah, this is the Lord. He is our Lord. Right. He has done it. And then again, that reassurance of peace, which is where I was initially looking at. Oh, gotcha. Because I just, because mine's on two separate pages there, that verse 19 where you had the first one where he shows him his hand was a previous page, and I just quickly glanced, like, oh, peace be with you. I was like, there it is. Yeah, no worries, no worries. But yeah, and then he goes with the whole sending, Mm -hmm. and then that's when he breathes on them, which was an interesting, I was like, is that the first time he ever did that, like? Even in their minds, what was going on? It was just, what's he doing, coming, breathing on us here? I know. Like, uh, it's such a strange phrase. Right. And it's such a strange action that, you know, we as Americans, I can't really wrap my mind around that. Well, especially now in, like, COVID times. <laughs> <laughs> like, breathing on somebody? Yeah. Um so I'm sure there's more to it than, than someone smarter than me would probably be able to understand. But, uh, you know, the power comes from God's spoken word. And so um, the breath is probably pneuma, the spirit exiting, the Holy Spirit exiting Jesus or coming from Jesus and covering the disciples, and maybe that's what this is all about. Right, because especially when you look at the next thing that Jesus says, receive the Holy Spirit. Mm, mm-hmm. So it's like he's breathing the Holy Spirit onto them, and right, and that's kind of how you always think of the Holy Spirit, that breath, that pneuma. Yeah, exactly. Or ruach. Ruach, yeah, there's a good Hebrew word. I like to, a ruach. You got to get the ha at the end. That's good, good Hebrew stuff. And uh, so he gives them... Um, some resources to kind of go ahead in the future, right? Mm-hmm. With this Holy Spirit, the power to forgive. That's and, a pretty big power to have. And the power to withhold. Right. That's, I don't know, what, it's like, which one is bigger, that power to withhold or to extend forgiveness? Yeah. I, I mean, I'd hate to think of that idea of withholding forgiveness from somebody. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yet we see that in people oh, yeah. uh, who are so upset, so hurt, so angered, uh, I will never forgive them, you know, uh. you've heard people say. Uh, and then it's like the opposite is happening because forgiveness as a natural human being probably is one of the hardest things to do. Right. You know, because it's like in order to forgive, you have to get past the wound and the hurt. Right, and that's all. And I, when I think of forgiveness, I always wonder what is harder: seeking somebody's forgiveness or extending forgiveness? Because mm. seeking is just as hard because that means you got to humble yourself and admit you're wrong, and none of us like to do that. Yeah, right. Yeah, I think uh, that would be an interesting survey out there to our podcasters. What is harder to um, humble yourself and ask for forgiveness or to grant it? Maybe that, you know, the other day I was talking about how we can put a little poll. Yeah. Maybe I can try to play with that a little bit and see if we get any answers on that, which I think is for the Spotify users. Okay. That would be really cool if you could figure if I, that out. As long as I remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, so Jesus gives them this, this 
this resource and this ability. This is like his sending because right up to that, you know, he's like, just as the father has sent me, so I'm sending you. So their mission is beginning as apostles, one who's, who are sent. And, um, part of all of this, you know, last time when we were talking about the morning of the resurrection in this chapter, I remember I talked about how many times you see the word see and saw right. and even, and this whole thing continues through the rest of the chapter. And I, I think I counted that there are about seven more uh, times that you see some form of the word see, saw, or seen, or showed. So one, two, three, four, five. And you got a, do you have them six, all hot, seven. Underli- or circled? There? Oh yeah, I circled them all a long time ago because it's all over the place in this chapter. And I think, well, okay, John, what are you trying to tell us? You keep using this word, right. and uh, I think about like eyewitness testimony. Like you and I have talked about, like uh, how that's how the gospels are written from different perspectives, and like you know, if you and I see an accident, and uh, we're but we're located in different spots of where the accident occurred. Maybe you're in your car behind, uh, or yeah, you're you're the accident's in front of you, um, or you have one perspective. But if I'm off to the side and I'm looking through a couple of different cars and I see a different perspective, we see. So the police Mm. would be interested in our eyewitness Mm. testimony. Mm. And the first question would be, what did you see? Right. And even with that, like, even though we saw the same thing, based on our knowledge or whatever, we might have a different way of how we explain it. Like, you might say, oh, it was a, you know, suburban hit, uh, you know, minivan. And I could say, oh, an SUV hit a van. Mm-hmm. And we're both accurate, mm-hmm. but you gave maybe a little more detail because it, maybe you have more knowledge about cars or something. And that's not saying that it invalidates mine, nope. but it's just that knowledge, and that's what we see with the authors of the Gospels. They each had their kind of set skill levels and where they are kind of more knowledgeable than the other. Yeah, and in this whole chapter... He's really hitting about what was seen, and it's almost to like complete the phrase seeing is believing. Right. Like, so we're telling you this is what we saw, and that holds some cred so that you, I mean, we believe because we saw. So, and that's how he ends this it's like, hey, we're telling you these things so that you may believe. That right. Jesus Christ is the Lord. And this is really, you know, amazing how he uses it. And I don't know, too, maybe it's me just making a stretch here, but even that question I talked about on a podcast about Easter, about whom or what are you seeking, that seeking, that has that seeing idea behind mm-hmm. it. Like, mm-hmm. what are you looking for? You know, what, what are the disciples looking for in that upper room? For peace and understanding and where's Jesus? And what happens? Jesus shows up. Yep. I don't know if that's a stretch, but that's... I don't think it is a stretch at all. I think it's really spot on. And even when we see, sometimes we're, we're not totally filtered through. Uh, so there's more that has to be shown, and that's what Jesus is doing. And then Jesus is, with this giving of the Holy Spirit through breathing, it's another sense that's being 
that the disciples are feeling of Christ. You know, you're mm. feeling his breath. He is, he is alive. Right. He's breathing, for goodness sakes. Because what's one of the things they first check for, if somebody's living or not? Yeah. Their breath. They, yeah, are they breathing? breathing? Yeah. So, if you don't see, it's hard. You to begin to... Doubt. Doubt. Which and, goes in the doubting Thomas. And, I mean, I think we all fall into that boat of, like, seeing and believing and not believing until you see or, like, being maybe skeptical of what you hear, like... No, I'll share with you a little bit earlier, like on April Fool's, on April 1st, one of my good friends, Dave, who's been a guest on The Gathering Place, sent me a text message like, wow, big trade for the White Sox that they traded Kimbrel for AJ Pollock. And I was like, dude, I'm not that stupid. Don't mess with me. It's April Fool's. I'm not believing this. <laughs> and then I'm like, well, let's just see what I see on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And then I saw... I'm like, oh, this actually looks true. Then I text him back. And I was like, oh, am I bad? I, he's like, yeah, I think it is true. And it was just like, because of that timing of yeah. being April 1st, mm-hmm. but still not believing because I didn't really see it myself and see other verified people mm-hmm. that I would say I trust. Not that I don't trust my friend Dave, but it's just like, he's got to be pulling my leg because he's a huge Cubs fan. So we go back and forth just as you and I mm-hmm. do. Yeah. But I was like, I don't believe this. Right. And, uh, it reminds me, you know, I think people are generally skeptical on the face of things. And uh, in our new member class, I show this person on the street interviews, and there's this one older lady. She says, you know, I have a lot of doubt when it comes to who Jesus is. And I'm a doubtist, she says. Doubtist. I'm a doubtist. And it's like, boy, how sad. Like, But I think that shows an analytical kind of side to someone's thinking, like, I'm filtering first that what I see, I don't know. I doubt it. I have to have more information before I'll believe. And right. and and here's Thomas. He's saying the same thing. Right. I wasn't there. Mm-hmm. And it makes you wonder, where was he that night? Yeah. Like, I thought they went everywhere, like, kind of together. I thought they did, too. Yeah, they're gathered together in a room. You think Thomas would have been there? Was yeah, he- no explanation. Man, maybe that's what we ask when we get up to heaven. Thomas, where were, where you? were you? And he's probably like, hey, man, I went to go get something to eat. You know, it was <laughs> went, late in the day. I was getting snacks for the group. Yeah, right. I mean, they didn't even give me you know props for that. And now I'm known as Doubting Thomas, <laughs> even though he went on to be a great missionary. Yeah. And, well, they, they all doubted. Right. I mean, if you look in other parts of the gospel, it says that the, the, the disciples doubted. And so he's, he gets tagged. I know, poor guy. Poor guy. No, uh, when you hear Thomas, you just go, oh, Doubting Thomas, and this is the only story we ever think of. When At least that's the main story I was thinking when I hear mm-hmm. about Thomas. I know he's in the Gospels, but right. this is what you get for Thomas. So, like, friends, if, if you were Thomas and you're out getting food, you know, for the group, <laughs> and all of a sudden, you know, it's like... You've been with him maybe all day, and you go out and get food. We don't know if he did that. We're just having fun. And so he comes back in the room, and what's the first thing that all the disciples say? We've seen the Lord. We've seen him. And, like, what would your reaction be? Right. Okay, guys. Yeah. Oh, sure. Guys, way yeah. to pull my leg. Kind of yeah. like I was with my buddy with the whole trade. I was mm-hmm. like, okay, dude. I mean, it's April Fool's. I got my guard up here on this day. <laughs> Yeah, and depending uh, depending on how the moon was, uh, right. you know, relative to the Passover, the full moon to the Passover, it, I wonder if it was April Fool's. Right. No, I'm, I'm teasing. <laughs> um, but so, 
yeah, we've seen the Lord. Like, like they're emphatic. They're, they're like, dude, we got some awesome news. And then he says what they were afforded. Well, unless I see his hands. Uh, uh, Put my hands in the and, scar. Yeah, not only see him, but touch him. Right, which is kind of weird. Yeah. A little bit. It is, like... I don't know that I would want to go put my hands in anybody's wound. Right. But, you know, seeing is believing. But if you can touch, that's that's another level. And so then comes the very emphatic message, right? I will never believe. Uh, and I think in the in the Greek it's ume. Ooh. That's like a double double negation, negation, emphatic denial. I I wonder if that's, which I'm assuming it is, the same as what Peter's like was when he's like, Lord, I'll never Mm. deny knowing you. Oh, yeah. These disciples need to learn. Never say. Never say never. never. (laughs) Right. Because they don't do too well on these nevers. (laughs) Well, before I got married, I said, I will never live in a ranch house uh, and and drive a van with simulated wood grain on the side. And guess what my first house was? Ranch. It was a ranch house. And guess, you know, what vehicle I drove once we started having kids? A van with woods. It was a Chrysler, no, it was a Plymouth Voyager maroon with simulated wood grain on the side. Oh, yeah. I was Mr. Typical... Soccer dad, <laughs> suburban night guy, and uh, but so I like ate my words. So yeah, learn your lesson. Never say never. Right. So um, so that 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 seems to end that day. It's like, guys, I don't care what you say. I'm never gonna believe it unless this happens. And then we jump to eight days later. So mm-hmm. like, what's going on in these next eight days? Is like. Thomas like, see guys, I told you you didn't see Jesus. Yeah, right. And then, then he had to eat his words, Thomas. Yeah, as Jesus once again appeared before locked doors before the disciples, and once again, peace be with you. Which is like, don't they already know that? Unless it's for Thomas's sake. Mm-hmm. And then you got to imagine Thomas feeling like, oh, when Jesus kind of singles him out, like, hey, remember, said you don't believe. Here I am. See, there's the scars. You want to touch them? Yeah. I know he doesn't even request it, does he? No. The interesting thing I think of that that I think we can relate to is eight days later, the doors are locked. And we know that they were locked before for fear of their lives. Right. Well, they've already seen the Lord uh, the evening of the resurrection. So you'd think all our fears are allayed. But, like, now it's been eight days since they've, I guess, have seen the Lord. They maybe feel like, oh, he's not present. But yet the the threat of the, these people coming after him still must loom. So their fears continue to take over. Right. And isn't that true of us? Like, you know, we feel like uh, when we're grappling with something and then the Lord comes to us and gives us assurance and gives us peace and then how long can we hold on to that peace before we feel like as so, days go by, like, oh, Lord, are you still there? Right. 
and our fears take over again. Right. Or even, you know, tying it back to the forgiveness aspect, Mm. you know, okay, yes, I know I'm forgiven, but how quickly do we forget that God has forgiven us of our sins and that when he forgives, he forgets them. Right. It'd be nice if we had like the little like men in black thing for us that when he forgives us our sins, he comes up and he's like, boom, and then we don't remember it anymore. That would be fantastic. Um, then we'd probably be bound to keep committing the same sin over and over. I, I suppose, even though we still do it every now and again, right. you know. Um, but yeah, here here's the same formulaic thing. And like you had said, Jesus doesn't even wait for him to ask. He just he just shows him. And... Uh, and he's like, go ahead. Uh, see, see, here's my hands. Uh, put your hand here. I don't care. I don't care. Go for it. Um, and, he, and he just tells him, do not disbelieve. There's another double negative, like not disbelieve. Do not, do not disbelieve. So stop it, but believe. And then Thomas clearly realized it's him. Right. And he says this awesome phrase, my Lord and my God. Wow. Right. I mean, that that sounds like bring you to your knees kind of moment. Right, like, oh, wow, this is... This is him. And you can't, yeah, just... Um, How yeah. does he get any words out? Right. You know? Like, you almost wonder if there's that, like, little bit of that shame... Oh, yeah. Like, oh, man. Yeah. But it 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 almost doesn't seem like he has that because he's like, my Lord, my God. Like, I guess that's where we kind of miss out on because we weren't there, so we can't hear the tone of voice. We Mm -hmm. just read it, and we put our own inflections on that tone of voice. Yeah. Yeah, in the English, uh, there's an exclamation point, which obviously wouldn't be there in the original. Um, So somewhere somebody's adding some emphasis for us. Um, but yeah, my Lord and my God, there's a personalized thing right Right. there, right? It's not like, Lord, it's you, God, you're here. It's my personalized. Whew. That's why I think it's gotta be, he's gotta be overwhelmed right now. Yeah. I think maybe that's a good stopping point here. Okay. So, but yeah, so obviously Jesus does go on to say, you know, blessed are those who haven't seen yet believed, and I, that gives us hope because we haven't seen, yet we still believe. Amen. That describes us right here. And uh, and then the whole purpose of this book is so that you so that you can believe that you have life in his name. What a great thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so thank you, everybody, for tuning in today as we dive deeper into Doubting Thomas and all that and Jesus preparing for the disciples and pray that this was a blessing for you. Mm